Mindfulness Mode 463. When I learned the breathing techniques that I talk about in my book and the other practices in the wisdom, it really transformed my life. Hey, welcome back to Mindfulness Mode. Hey, you know when you need to have a URL, you need to order a website address because maybe you want to build a website or you want to, you know, work on the internet in some way where you need that URL like I did with MindfulnessMode.com. Well, you know what? I have a great suggestion for you. You can go to Hover. H-O-V-E-R. And it's such a great place to buy URLs, to buy website addresses. And it's slightly more expensive than some of the other places. But wait till I tell you, you can get all kinds of help. You phone them and a person answers the phone and they walk you through your problems. You know, maybe you don't understand everything about registering URLs and about the IP addresses and the name servers. You know, it can be kind of complicated, but you know what? You can give them a call and they'll help you. And what's even better is you can get $2 towards your account, $2 off your first purchase by using this URL, by going to mindfulnessmode.com slash hover, H-O-V-E-R. So I hope that works for you. Let me know. Today, I have a guest who lives in a retreat center. And it's just absolutely beautiful. It's breathtaking. She just went for a swim in the river just before the interview. Oh, what a pleasure it was to talk with this guest. She used to work in uh, all kinds of government work. She was also a very skilled expert in the area of travel technology. And she left it all behind in order to discover happiness and to help other people discover happiness. I think you'll enjoy it. Sit back and relax and just take in this episode with Patty Montella. Guess what, Mindful Tribe? I today am with a pioneer and she describes herself as a risk taker and she's been a leader her entire life and i'm just so honored to have this special guest on the air with me today and she is actually living at a retreat center near the appalachian mountains so how amazing is that i'm here with patty montella patty are you in mindfulness mode today I live in mindfulness mode. (laughs) I can tell that you do. I mean, what a treat that is. I want to share a little bit about you. You've built a thriving career on the cutting edge of travel technology. That's what I've learned about you. And then you left it all behind to dedicate your life to something completely different, which we'll be talking about on this interview. You've been uplifting society. So we'll figure out what that means. The skills that you've developed are really sharpening the business world and have served you well as an international speaker and inner inner transformation coach. And you've taught Whoa, you've taught tens of thousands of people worldwide from CEOs, government leaders, royalty, college yes. students. Wow, this is incredible. So we're going to get to know you a little bit more than than we already do. Uh, 
So tell me this, what does mindfulness mean to you, Patty? Well, Bruce, thanks for that nice introduction. Mindfulness is self-awareness. It's being the seer and not getting caught up in the scenery. Ah. And how long has it taken you to get to this point that you feel like you're not getting caught up in the scenery? Well, it's been a journey, and that's how I ended up writing a book about it. When I first stepped on the spiritual path, I couldn't sit to meditate. And I find meditation is what really creates this modality to move through life and called mindfulness, self-awareness. And there's many layers to it. And when I learned the breathing techniques that I talk about in my book and the other practices in the wisdom, it really transformed my life where I learned to be a witness to what was happening so I could respond instead of react. And that was a process. There's, as I said, layers to it. So once you become more aware, about 75% of the job is done, as you know. And it's just another 25% to shift your perception, expand your consciousness, and learn to flow in life like a river rather than resisting things or getting tripping up with your own mind and emotions. So your book is called Becoming Unshakable. And I love yeah. the subtitle, Wisdom Learned on the Journey to Inner Freedom. Thank you. Yeah, yes. That's a great name. Now tell me, did it take a lot of courage to write this book? Uh, let's see. That's a good question. Did it take a lot of courage? It took some courage, Bruce, because I was committed to being vulnerable in writing my book. And the reason I was committed to being vulnerable and honest and putting my authentic story out there is I see the need in the world today and the high level of anxiety and depression and the escalating rates of suicide, particularly among young people and veterans, all groups of people I teach. And I felt like it was important to be authentic so that people could see that it is possible to be mindful. It is possible to be free from within. There are ways to do it. And although I may appear completely peaceful and happy, which I am today, it was a journey to be free of those habits and patterns and concepts that tripped me up in the beginning. So that's why, uh, yes, I was courageous for a very good reason. So you've taught tens of thousands of people worldwide. How did you do that? Did you do it in group sessions? Did you do it online? Did you do it in like meetups? How did that happen? Because that's a lot of people. Yeah, all of the above. Well, I'm a senior international faculty member with a worldwide organization called the Art of Living Foundation and also with the International Association for Human Values, both which are founded by renowned spiritual leader Sri Sri Ravi Shankar. So through the Art of Living Foundation and the International Association for Human Values, I've done all of the above, uh, group sessions, large courses, online programs, one-on-one, -on -one, 
and I've done it in many countries around the world for a very long time, 25 years. Yeah, you don't look old enough to have done that for 25 years, <laughs> I have to tell you. <laughs> well, I'm on my third career, but I always say meditation and breath work, it keeps you young, and that's another benefit to it. In your book, you share 15 life-changing wisdom lessons. Would you be able to share one or two of those with us now? That's exactly what I'd like to do. And the one that jumps to mind is to leave a little room for imperfection, which segues into what we're talking about. When people step on a spiritual path or begin to explore mindfulness and meditation, you know, it's easy to want to be perfect in doing that too. And to have a piece of paper that says, was I mindful today? Did I meditate today? And it almost can become like a stress. Leave a little room for imperfection is a chapter in is a chapter in a wisdom lesson in the book. Just like we have a room or a drawer in the house that's a little messy, uh, do the same with yourself. And by doing that, letting go of the need for perfection within ourselves, we also let go of the need for perfection in others. Not that you don't have goals or standards that you would like to strive toward, but when the mind gets so gets in a to grip on to wanting things to be perfect, the sense of belongingness with ourselves and others begins to diminish. Our smile fades and it leaves room for negativity to start to rise up. So leave a little room for imperfection in yourself and others. And that will keep your smile and your sense of freedom from within. Speaking of smiling, Mindful Tribe, you'll smile if you check out Patty's website. And her website is pattymontella.com. And you can see the information about her book there. And it's Patty, P-A-T-T-I. Montella is M-O-N-T-E-L-L-A, Patty montella.com patty in your book you talk about a, a pivotal a pivotal spiritual lesson that you learned after decades of searching and then you realized it had been with you the entire time i'm wondering if you're going to be able to give us a hint of what that lesson was well i would say on my journey what i have learned is that the divine a higher power that helping hand is always with us. Another lesson in the book is life cannot progress without faith. Faith in yourself, faith in the good of society, and faith in that higher power. And through my journey, which I'm still on, I really learned through so many experiences, Bruce, that there is that helping hand, that unseen hand with me, with each of us all the time. When you stop and reflect and look back on difficult times you got through, hardships you thought you couldn't make it through, just when you were at the end of the rope, someone or something came into your life that lifted you up, made it easier, helped you to develop that resilience from within to not only go on yourself, but when the same happens to others, to be able to lift them up as well. So there are opposite values in life. You can't have a mountain without a valley. To know peace, we have to know how to shake hands with disturbance. So what I learned was 
shaking hands with disturbance, being okay with those opposites and knowing that everything is changing. Nothing stays the same. And having faith in those three areas has carried me to incredible heights in my life and helps me to enjoy life rather than just trying to survive in life like so many of us are. Right, for sure. Now, I know that Early in your life, you experienced the death of a very close friend and you felt that that was in a way a pivotal time, I think, too. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, that's how the book opens. And it was a pivotal time. In the early 90s, the AIDS epidemic was just moving across the country. And I worked for a major global airline at the time. And I had a lot of friends that I lost to the illness. And one friend in particular is my friend James. And James was the first person I ever met that really exuded unconditional love. Through his life, through his illness, and through his death, I saw unconditional love in action. And I used to always wonder, does it exist? What is it? Is it something I could experience? Where do I go to find it? At the same time that my friend James died, he just had turned 24, and um, I helped him through that process, as did his partner, my marriage was unraveling. So it gave a lot of pause in life and those questions, who am I? Why are we here? And is this all there is? Do we just work and have a few days off, maybe take a vacation here and there. There must be something more. And this uh, inquisitiveness, this heart of a sincere seeker that I had as a young girl really rose up again. And I felt like this was a quest for me that I wanted to find out the universal truths of life. So at that point, I had had a very successful career in travel technology and in um, the airline business. And I took a downgrade in order to move out of our corporate headquarters and move to beautiful Colorado. Uh And six months later, a client told me about the happiness course, which I've now been teaching for 25 years. And I learned a technique called the Sudarshan Kriya. And it is a breathing technique that brings balance to the body, mind, and spirit, clears out old concepts, habits, and patterns. And after I took or learned that technique, immediately the pain and the grief that I had been holding, I didn't realize I'd been holding from the death of my friend and the dissolving of my marriage, it lifted. It lifted. And I felt like instead of having two elephants on either shoulder, my problems were just as small as a mosquito. I felt so much energy, so much relief. And it was in that moment through my own personal experience of what using the breath skillfully can do to bring balance and bring us back to our natural state, which is happy and free and peaceful, that I said to myself, I'm going to share this with everybody I meet. And little did I know a year later, I'd be walking out of my career and doing that very thing for the rest of my life. Wow. 
That is really an incredible story. And I wanted to ask you exactly what travel technology is, because I didn't really understand what that truly is. Well, uh, today it's very common. We go to online booking systems like Travelocity, which I helped to bring to market years ago. It was a very new concept back in the 90s. And that's it. It's an online booking system for the entire hospitality industry. Okay. I see. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Since I use it all the time, <laughs> all of those <laughs> kinds of, all of those kinds of services. I know now it's very common, but when I was at the, um, in the middle of my career, it was cutting edge technology. Right. So the program that you teach, where do we learn more about that? Is it on your website? Yes, you can also go to the Art of Living website, um, www.artofliving.org. The Art of Living. What is the Art of Living? To learn to be happy, to be creative, to live with an expression of human values, compassion, sincerity, nonviolence, and a sense of service to others. and to make your life something that is a celebration is the art of living. And we are in the foundation that I'm with is in 156 countries. We have chapters throughout the United States. And all you have to do is put your city in and the website will take you to where there is an art of living center near you. Oh, that's And you can learn the happiness program, which I think we can all use a little bit more so. of yeah. and peace of mind today. More than I never would have imagined we'd be where we are in the country as we are right now with such high levels of um, unhappiness. And it's not necessary. It's as close to you as right under your nose, your uh-huh. very breath. It's just learning how to manage it and skillfully. Right. That, that is wonderful that you can do that in your closest city. I'm in Canada, so maybe we have it in, in the city here. Oh, absolutely. What city uh, are you London, in? Ontario, Canada. Yeah, London, Ontario. Oh, my grandmother was born there. Oh, really? Small world. <laughs> I'm from Buffalo, New York. Not oh, okay. too far. Just a stone's no, throw from you. Not far at Oh, all. yes. There are early living chapters all over Canada. Wow, that's exciting. And so do you ever go out like hiking or spending time in the Appalachian Mountains? Do you find nature a way of of reaching a level of mindfulness? Absolutely. You know, I meditate twice a day. I do breath work every day. And that is, to me and my experience after all these years, is the most profound, most impactful and most sustainable way of being aware, being mindful so that you can respond instead of react and take uh, skillful action. Now, also being in nature, I, I am surrounded by forest and a forest is full of prana, full of life energy. So just this afternoon, I was in the river, <laughs> floating <laughs> down the river in the beautiful uh, new river in in uh, Boone, North Carolina, which is actually a very old river, older than the Nile River. And I'm very lifted, like we all are when we're surrounded by nature. But it's not always possible to go out in nature to lift your prana, your life energy, which really can get dissolved by 
too many thoughts, too much worrying, not the right kind of food. You know, if we don't have enough sleep, any kind of a toxic environment. And so that's where I find the breath work and meditation You can are so valuable. You can sit down anywhere you are. And if you're prana, your life energy is getting depleted. You have the remote control in your own hands to turn the volume back up so that you have the bandwidth, you have the capacity to continue to do the things you like and the things that you need to do with a very mindful and aware and pleasant state of mind. I love that description. You have the remote control in your own hand. Yeah, that's a beautiful description. And I know earlier you mentioned about uh, the artistic side of people. Do you think that as adults, many of us push away that artistic side and we're just longing for it? We're searching for it. We're looking for it. And we don't even know it sometimes. And that's our form of mindfulness. Well, you know, we now have adult coloring books, don't we? Yes. And it's so relaxing to take a crayon and just color with no sense of purpose and to create. Silence is the mother of all creation. So absolutely, the more silent we are, the more we take, you know, I really highly recommend people take a silent meditation retreat a couple times a year so that we bring balance to the left and the right side of the brain. Sometimes we tend to get a little too stuck in the left side of the brain with so much thinking. The balance is enjoyable. And so to do that meditation, breath work will bring you to that space and you'll begin to discover talents, creative talents that you didn't even know you you had. Is that it's a, very necessary in life? Absolutely. Sure. Is that a 10 day retreat you recommend or three days or what? Well, I teach advanced silent meditation retreats myself all over the world and here at the Art of Living Retreat Center. Even just a few days of silence, Bruce, will do wonders. It will, it is a deep rest that you can't get anywhere else where you really unplug unplug from the phones, from the to-do list, from trying to be somebody and just be here now, which you know, as a mindfulness coach, is what we're always sharing with people, be here now. That sounds good at the intellect, but how to get there. So being in nature is very helpful. And then being in silence and deep meditation with a certified teacher will help you to let go and recharge and renew just like we do for our car. I mean, we take the car to get an oil change. We do regular maintenance. And if we don't maintain the car, what happens? Yeah, we have problems. It stops. We have problems. Well, we are much more precious than our car. It is our life we're talking about. And we use this brain. We use this mind so much and it gets so caught up in things that it doesn't need to get caught up and people always say how do I quiet my mind so you have a story about your first silent meditation retreat can you tell us that Patty yeah Bruce so when I took my very first silent meditation retreat 
I went because I had been hearing the stories of so many people and what a great experience they had. And I got up to the beautiful Rocky Mountains. I write about this in my book. And I thought it was wonderful. We got up the next day for sunrise yoga. And then the silence began. And by the end of the first day, my bottom hurt from sitting and meditating. I was bored out of my mind. Everybody and everything was irritating me. And I couldn't say a word to anyone because I was in silence. So by the third day, I wrote a note to the teacher. And I said, this is the most boring thing I've ever done. I just want to get in my car, find a coffee shop and get and leave. And he laughed and he said, it's just the resistance. And I thought, resistance to what? What I learned, it was resistance to to sitting with myself. It was resistance to having to observe my own thoughts, my own physical sensations, things we're not aware of because we're so busy and not so often not in the present moment. We're not mindful of who we really are. In our inner atmosphere, which is what dictates our outer experience. So he suggested, I just be with it, observe the breath whenever the resistance came up and see what happens. And I did. I did that for the next few meditations. And finally, it happened. I went so deep into meditation, I finally relaxed and let go of trying to control the situation based on my own small mind, on what I thought it should be or could be or would be. I just let go. And that first experience of letting go brought so much bliss that I signed up immediately on the spot for the next silent meditation retreat. Wow, that's a great story. (laughs) And now today I teach it around the world. So it is, if it's possible for me to sit and be silent and to learn to let go, I feel it's possible for anybody. Sure. That's (laughs) wonderful. Patty, were you ever bullied? Do you have a story about bullying of any kind where mindfulness would have made a difference? Yes, I do. I I really appreciate the work you do and have been doing, Bruce. Thank you. In that regard for a long time, because bullying, it's really comes from inside every victim. There's a culprit crying for help. Yeah. And when I was actually way back in elementary school was the first time I experienced it. And it was a girl in elementary school, so full of anger and so small in herself that she was the school bully. She scared everyone. And she stole something from me and started saying things about me. You know, I think I was in third grade, something like that, fourth grade, very young. And my father made me do something. He made me pick up the phone and make an appointment to go over to her house to retrieve what she had stolen and to have a conversation with her, which you can imagine at that age took extraordinary courage. Of course, I didn't want to do it. But what I found by doing that, she did not have a home like the home I came from. 
Her home was very chaotic. They didn't have a lot. The parents were very stressed. And I had a conversation with her about what happened. Do you know, throughout high school, throughout elementary school, middle school, and high school, she became my close friend. Oh, seriously. And it was my first experience in sitting down and seeing life from someone else's perspective. Normally, if we're bullied or someone misaligns us, and I do talk about it continuing to happen for me, even in my adult life, in my book, and how to step back and see this wisdom behind every victim is a culprit crying for help. But that allows your mind to settle down. It allows real conversation, real communication, heart to heart to take place. Your perception shifts, your observation shifts. So consequently, through that awareness, your expression shifts. And that's how we can make the world a happier place, one by one, individual by individual. And not, you know, you have to take accountability for your actions, but understanding where someone is coming from and hearing one another, truly authentic, heart-to-heart listening, we can go forward together with a sense of belongingness. And that's exactly what happened between that girl and I. And it made my life richer, and I hope it made her life richer as well. I like that story. That's so awesome. As we move forward, Patty, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. And so just 30 second answers are perfect. The first one is this, who is one person that has influenced mindfulness in your life? Oh, that's absolutely my guru, Sri Sri Ravi Shankar, who is renowned as a ambassador for peace. I'll leave it at that. You can read more about him or... Google him online. Of course. And we'll put his name into the show notes as well at mindfulnessmode.com. How has mindfulness affected your emotions, Patty? I'm aware of my emotions. And it is exactly what has helped me to become unshakable in life. Having that self-awareness, taking it much deeper through meditation and breath work, I'm not a victim to my emotions. I can skillfully communicate, skillfully choose how I want to respond. And I can sleep at night now instead of thinking about revenge or (laughs) imaginary conversations about what we're going to say to someone when we see them next, which never happened. It's brought unshakable peace in my life. You've talked a little bit about breathing already, but can you sum it up? Tell us how breathing is a part of your mindfulness practice. Well, you know, I find, Bruce, that mindfulness is the first step on the journey. Mindfulness is becoming that seer who is not getting caught up in the scenery. It's self-awareness. From mindfulness, then, we can go deeper into that experience with breath work and meditation. Every emotion has a corresponding rhythm of breath. So when we get stressed, when we get angry, when we get fearful, when we get anxious, you'll see the breath is going to be responding in a particular pattern. So by learning to 
make the breath smooth and fine and light as a way of life, then it means the nervous system is consistently smooth and fine and light. And that way, when the difficult times come in life and the difficult personalities and the uncertainty comes, you are already as a regular way of life, expanding consciousness and capacity from mindfulness to breath work to meditation. Can you recommend a book related to mindfulness that could help our listeners? I would first, of course, recommend my book. Of course, <laughs> Becoming Unshakable. Absolutely. Unshakable. And you can because find I'm... that at <laughs> Patty. Montella.com. Yeah. P-A-T-T-I-M-O-N-T-E-L-L-A. But there are, um, I would say uh, there are a number of books by my mentor and teacher. I never knew my life coach was going to be a saint from India, but here I am. And there are a number of books that uh, he has written that talk about it in particular. And I, the way, the reason I like his writing is that it is very practical and be, goes deep on the subtle level. So it's begin it begins to kindle that awareness in you with effortlessly. And so any of his books, in particular, I liked um, when I first started out on the path, God Loves Fun. Another book that I would recommend is Celebrating Silence. So reading wisdom and making that an everyday part of our life when we're reading wisdom can also kindle that awareness in you, that mindfulness in you, where you stop, self-reflect, and then move forward. And it's by... Sri uh, Sri Ravi Shankar. It's S-R-I, S-R-I, Ravi, R-A-V-I, and Shankar, just like it sounds, S H A N. K-A-R, um, either God Loves Fun or Celebrating Silence. All right. And like I said, we'll put those in our show notes. Are there any apps which you use or maybe some of your, your clients do? There's an app I really like called the Sattva app, S-A-T-T-V-A. Sattva represents the peaceful energy within us. And there are several guided meditations. There are chants. And there's some knowledge on that app, but I particularly recommend two meditations there. One is called uh, Journey to Silence. Okay. And the other is Transforming Emotions. Now, I can also recommend a third one called Yoga Nidra. If you go to many yoga studios, you'll learn Yoga Nidra. It's so wonderful to take you through the body to help you to sleep at night. And of course, insomnia in our country um, is at a very high level. People have difficulty turning it off at night. And we need good sleep in order to have more awareness, more mindfulness each and every day. So the Yoga Nidra guided meditation is another wonderful one you can do every single day. Mindful Tribe, be sure to visit artofliving.org. Be sure to check out the wonderful book, Becoming Unshakable. And Patty, thank you so much for being on the show today. Bruce, I have really enjoyed getting to meet you and to talk about this with you. We can't do enough of it. And I really want to compliment you as well on 
calling it a mindful tribe. The more we have that sense of belongingness with ourselves and others, the happier we're all going to be. Thank you. Yes, I totally agree. It's been great. And you have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Bye now. Thanks so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com and type the guest name or the episode number into the search bar. You can also go mindfulnessmode.com slash whatever episode number you like. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can help us out by subscribing to Mindfulness Mode wherever you listen, whether it's on iTunes or Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, so many places you can hear Mindfulness Mode. So hit subscribe and share because that truly helps our show. Oh, and a reminder of what I said at the top of the show about buying URLs, buying website addresses. Go to hover.com, H-O-V-E-R, and use this code. Well, it's just an address that will take you directly there so you can get $2 off your next purchase. Go to mindfulnessmode.com forward slash hover. So remember, subscribing and sharing helps keep mindfulness mode on the air. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.